0: Hello, hello, everybody. What's going on? I think you're really going to love this episode of the podcast with Matt Morris. He is truly one of my closest friends here in Dallas. I think you're really going to enjoy hearing from him. He's so successful, and to hear how humble he is, I really think you guys are just going to be obsessed with it. There are a couple curse words here and there. It's not nearly as much as some other people do curse, but just a little just a little warning, just in case you have little ears. Obviously, you know it's not going to come from me, but uh, there are a couple in there. So just a heads up, make sure you do screenshot this. He is on unbelievable and I cannot wait for you to hear from him so enjoy 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 let's go Hello, hello everybody, what's going on? It's Jesse Lee, call me hashtag Boss Lee or the People's Mentor, and I'm, I'm actually really pumped up about this, because this is not only somebody that I respect more than a lot of people in the business space, but we're also really good friends, and so I feel like I'm talking with my homie, I'm so excited. You guys are blessed, you don't have to see his quarantine situation, he's over here picking his teeth, and he's over here, he's trying out new facial hair, which, like, just be glad, y'all, I'm kidding, it doesn't even look bad at all, but... <laughs> (laughs) I turned on the camera and I was like, wow, Matt, you really have turned a, turned a new leaf. Um, he's a fellow Dallas guy. So, uh, we are, we are neighbors and we get together, but not nearly enough, uh, because I love, love, love our conversations. And they're always inspiring to me. I leave there feeling like I am a better person. And so I'm really excited to share my friendship with Matt Morris with you. He is a, well, okay. So he's super successful. We'll get there, but those you who follow me know I'm the big mushball, so I tell him this all the time probably not even enough so I'll just compliment you again but my favorite thing about Matt is the way he parents so he is a father of three and he is just one of those people where I think sometimes people think you can't have it all and I think that's a whole conversation about balance we don't necessarily have to have on here oops that was me sorry uh but he is somebody that really has taken the time to prioritize his children and making sure that they are growing and developing the way he wants to as a father. They take trips to the lakes and they're always doing funny stuff on the internet. And I just love watching how he loves them. So aside from that, he is a multi, multi, multi millionaire. He is 25 years in network marketing experience. And I'm always inspired by the way he runs events, which is actually the first way I was introduced to him is he has filled stadiums with people and i think that is just so goals for so many people and uh, i don't want to ramble on and on because i know people want to hear about you and so with no further ado make sure you screenshot this you share it everywhere you tell your friends about it because i know it's going to be great i would love to introduce to all of you mr matt morris
1: ah what an introduction my head may fall i may fall over my (laughs) head's gonna be so big (laughs) Oh, you're amazing. Thank you so much. Huh. And yes, I've always taught against facial hair over all these years. And uh, with the lockdown here, I'm like, you know what? For once in my life, I'm going to grow out some facial hair. It does not look bad. It was just I alarming. Never even, I, you know what? I've never had it this long in my entire life. I didn't even know it would get this long.
0: <laughs> well, you know, as long as you love it, then I am in full support of what to do. I don't did. know.
1: It's not going to last long term, but you know.
0: Alexander came we'll to give look, a, We'll like, give huh? it a week or,
1: well, we'll give it a couple weeks. We'll see. And we'll see how
0: long we're quarantined for.
1: Yeah. Cool. No so,
0: so let's talk about this. Were you always a super driven person? Because you started in the network marketing space when you were 18 years old and you've had tremendous success. You've had, you're one of those people where, I mean, I don't, I know I don't have to ever check on you because you actually have the business fortitude no matter what goes on to win. So let's kind of talk about maybe your past a little bit.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I do. You know what? I do think I was a little bit more driven. You know, I mean, I've always had like this competitive spirit and wanted to win. So it was really frustrating because I, you know, I had that growing up. I played sports and things like that. And I went to the U.S. Marine Corps, went to boot camp. You come out of boot camp and you have this insane level of confidence. So I had like way more confidence than I probably deserved to have. Right. <laughs> and I remember literally thinking, man, after this training, there's no way I can lose at anything. <laughs> and then I got into network marketing and I realized, you know what? I really can. Um, because I sucked as a networker. I mean, I, <laughs> my story, if you don't know it, my first two years, I sponsored three people. Two of those I paid for to get in. One was a waiter friend of mine. He had been drinking before the presentation. He signed up, quit the next day. I mean, after two years, I had one person in my group. It was me. And it didn't get much better from there because I joined another company. I I was driven, right? I rented out an office. I ran all kinds of ads. I did all kinds of crazy stuff. And you know, nine months later, I was $30,000 in debt, had moved back in with my mom. My mom is, like, seeing me do this. And granted, I was probably partying a lot more at 21 than I should have, <laughs> um, also doing network marketing. But she's like, you need to pay rent or move out. And I'm like, oh, my God, how dare you not enable me? <laughs> and so <laughs> I took a job selling swimming pools. I went to – they assigned me. Southern Louisiana, where I had no friends. I had no money. I lived out of my car. I didn't get paid commissions until the pool got installed, which was six to eight weeks out. And so I literally lived out of my car for two months in Southern Louisiana. And I, you know, the whole time to answer your question, I was driven. I mean, when I, um, set up that office, I signed up in a network marketing company. My sponsor gave me several thousand cold call leads. And I don't know if it was just like, Hey, you signed up. If it was a test to see if I was going to do anything or what, but I called all those leads and uh, you know, you've got to be, I think you have to be driven to make several 1000 cold calls. You know what I mean? I mean, and I think maybe I signed up one distributor from those thousands. Wow. I don't even I don't even remember if I got one. But what it did for me was it got me pretty good on the phone.
0: (laughs) So I love that you say that because I think there's always – you're learning something all the time. I would guess your first call went a little more terribly than your 2,000th call. You probably started learning language patterning. You know, uh, I think too many people, they get to their third or fourth prospect, and it's like, everybody on planet Earth says no. Nobody likes me. It's like you talked to three and a half people. Like, what do you mean?
1: And that's the thing, you're gonna suck in the beginning and you gotta be willing to suck for long enough until you can get good, right? And I sucked terribly in the beginning. I
0: I love that you're so honest about that too because I think sometimes people see... (laughs) Like, I always tell people not to compare themselves to people like us because they're like, oh, they live in these houses and they take these trips and they da 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 da," whatever it is. It's like, do you know how bad we were? Like, (laughs) I don't know how I didn't have, like, government agencies. I'm sure I broke every rule. You know, I'm sure. I'm surprised cops weren't called on me for, you know, door knocking (laughs) and too many harassing phone calls and all of yeah. the things. Um, yeah, you yeah. know, I mean,
1: I think it's also important from a leadership standpoint to remember that that is a real thing in people's minds. And I remember getting to the point where, when I finally heard, had my first hit in network marketing, I had been working as a waiter, and for whatever reason, you know, everything just kind of came together. And I worked harder than I'd ever worked, and did more trainings than I'd ever done, more presentation than I had ever done. But right before that, I was working as a waiter, that was my last job, was a waiter at Saltgrass Steakhouse in Arlington, Texas. And so I had a group pop up in Minnesota, I flew to Minnesota, did this training, and this lady comes up to me at the end of the training, and at the time, I'm 24, 25 years old, I do a training, and I did a good job with the training, right? Because I work like crazy. And she told me she was a little bit disheartened after my training. And I'm like... I thought I did a great training. And and so I'm like, I'm shocked and I'm like, really, why? And she said, well, I thought you were just this waiter kid and you made it and after seeing your training, you're really talented, you're an amazing speaker. And I just remember thinking, oh my God, if you would have seen me (laughs) months ago, before I was making any money, before I did a ton of trainings, I was really bad. And, and so I think people sometimes have a hard time believing that someone who appears to be really powerful on stage or really, you know, amazing, like you online. I mean, I see you online and I'm like, oh my God, she's this freak of nature in a good way, right? Um, so amazing, but I'm sure your first few lives were not so amazing, right?
0: Oh, they were, they were tragic. Like I, almost, I I, don't hide them only for that same reason that I want people to know you're going to suck. Like you said, yeah. for yeah. years, probably we, I mean, yeah. by the time I started doing lives, I was already five years in, in direct sales network marketing. So I had, like I had already been presenting yeah. for five years and that was the best I could yeah. conjure up like y'all. Red. This, I yeah.
1: mean, it's, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> I, uh, I remember my first live presentation, like hotel presentation. It was, uh, I, I had actually, it was in this same company, right? And I had built a team, grown like crazy, but I never presented I had people in my downline that were presenting at hotel meetings, but I wasn't, right? And so I would just load people up. I was famous for, you know, being a body dragger Mm. before hashtag was uh, popular, but I would have been like hashtag body dragger at the time. So
0: I know Um, what that is, but will you explain what that is to the people who are like, what do you mean you're a body dragger? Body dragger, just
1: getting people to meetings, getting people to calls, getting people to, at the time we didn't do webinars, right? But we did uh, conference calls and we did hotel presentations and I just invited, I became a great inviter. But I never presented, ever. And I had several hundred people on my team. And this guy is like, hey, I need you to come to South Dallas and do a presentation. And I'm going to have 100 people. I've rented out a hotel room. And I'm like, uh, like... Everything in me is wanting to say no, but I want to be a great leader. And so I say yes. And I, sh- I don't sleep the whole night. I'm trying to figure out how am I going to do this presentation. And I've done it one-on-one and stuff, but never in a group. And I've got massive stage fright. I'm like, I'm never going to be the one who speaks on stage. And thank God, only six people showed up. Six prospects showed up. And you know, we, and I've even trained on this. It's not true, but I've trained on it. You say you can't say the wrong thing to the right person or the right thing to the wrong person. I mean, that's totally false, but it sounds good. It sounds good. It's not true. And I'm proof. I'm proof that you can say the wrong thing to the right person. So one of the prospects who came to that meeting that walked out several months later, someone else showed him the presentation that wasn't terrible. And he joined and he became one of the top ringers in the company. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, i proof you can say the wrong thing. So, um, yeah, but I was terrible. But you know what? I did it again and I did it again and I did it again. And I sucked a little out to teach eventually at the point where I could get good. And you know what? I, I remember this because I was doing presentations all like almost every night of the week, I started doing presentations somewhere because I had become the top earner. Everyone, you know, wanted to hear my story and all that. And I got to the point where I could go through the presentation, no ums, no ahs, like super flawless. And I noticed my enrollment ratio started going down because I was too polished. I was too just like perfect. And what I learned is, like, I need to be real with people and tell my messed up stories. And uh, it's okay fumbling over your words because it makes you more real. And I think so many people think that they have to be perfect to do the presentation. And you don't. (laughs) In fact, if your presentation isn't perfect in some cases, you'll sign up more people because you're way more relatable. So I think relatability is a huge factor in our business. And that's one of the reasons why you have such a rabid following is because in your, you know, in your lives and everything you do, you're so real and relatable. And I, I mean, I think that's why people just love you.
0: I appreciate that. And I, I I did a couple hacks too when I was doing, especially when I was doing all those presentations, when I was in people's homes, because uh, I would know the demographic of the people. And so I would dress differently. So if it was, you know, the how the, let's call them Frisco moms, because they're definitely a stereotype of the people that live where I live, right? I would wear the nicer clothes and I would wear, you know, carry the different bag and I'd put on different shoes. And then if it's like the college kids, I'd literally would roll up and I would wear what I'm wearing right now. I have on yoga pants and a t-shirt. Like my hair would not be perfectly done. I would, I have no makeup on right now. I'd probably put on a little bit of something, but like, I was just being like, I'm like, I'm just going to be real with you and and conform to the people that you need to be without being fake because it would still be me. And then I love that you said you admitted to it because no one even talks about this, but it's because people are, they're aiming for that perfection that we all know as humans doesn't exist, but people still aim for it. And what I have found is that this, the same thing you just said, which is the people who spend all of their time trying to be the best and be perfect and have everything polished. And then, okay, now that I know my presentation without an ah, uh, an um, a like, uh, bleh, uh, like whatever, they yeah. suck at enrolling people, like you just said, because it's like yeah. you sound like a robot. There's no yeah. emotion. Uh, and and even when you get really good, you know, uh, I, especially when I was in party plan, right? I was like half... I'm still half comedian, I think. But especially <laughs> in party plan, I was like, my job is to make you laugh so hard that you shop like a crazy person. And so yeah. I would... Uh, there would be times when sometimes they were the same jokes and people in the audience would finish them for me because I was literally laughing at my own. I was like, I can't, I can't, like I literally can't right now, hold on, like (laughs) doing like full Uh, on laughter.
1: Yeah. I mean, I really believe that's one of the biggest presentation secrets is the humor. And you know, everyone has a guard, right? When they see a presentation, there's a guard, there's a skepticism. And what my mentor taught me um, almost 20 years ago, he said, you want to be entertaining first and informative second, because when you're entertaining, you distract the guard and you're able to get your message in. Oh and God. I think it's Can you
0: say that again, entertaining first
1: and entertaining first informative second because people have this guard and the skepticism. And so when you're entertaining first and you can make people laugh, you entertain the guard. And when the guard goes away, you can actually get your message in. And so I feel like half my presentation is kind of like a comedy show. I agree.
0: Um, I have not. (laughs) No, I am not in your company, obviously. And so I have very limited access, unfortunately. Uh, I do consume you obviously online quite a bit. But I watched this clip, and this is before I was even in network marketing. It must have been six or seven GoPros ago. And you were doing, I mean, I saw it because of the 10-year anniversary of GoPro. I texted you during it. They yeah, were playing okay. some of, like, the best, you know, I'm <laughs> doing quotation, guys. But, like, it really probably was one of the best ever. But the best clips of the past. We're showing in between presenters. And I had never seen... I've, I had never seen you do a stage presentation before. And he's doing this presentation where he's talking about the chickens and the eagles. And he's, like, pretending to throw up chickens in the air. And, like, I, I, like, I don't know. Not that many people were watching the screens. I was, probably because we're friends. like So I was really, like, into it. I was howling laughing like i was like shut up you are so fatty i was i was dying like i was like this man yeah
1: so oh my god there's good and bad to that. Like everyone loves when I do that routine, right? But it doesn't matter how deep I get in my training or ha- tactics or how to a personal development or whatever. At the end of the presentation, they're like, you're the chicken man.
0: Okay, you know what, though? You are the chicken man and I love you for it. And I got the point. So clearly it worked. It was a great training yeah. chicken man. You there should go, go get chickens, you know, because you have that lake house. You should, like, get chickens. And then you could do it, like, for know, real. Know, you could, real like, chickens.
1: throw. I want to do that on stage, actually. You you know, should, yeah, up, like,
0: take forward. it next level. Like, I want to see your commitment. I'm not sure if you're committed to your training. <laughs> <I'm kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I, I do want to ask, though, because we've talked several times about how, um, you know, you were failing, failing, failing. You sucked, you sucked, you sucked. So people are definitely that listen to this, they definitely feel like that right now. They are totally in that I suck, what do I do phase. So my question for you is when you how did you continue to stay driven especially in the beginning when you felt like a failure or maybe not even in the beginning but maybe when stuff just is crashing around you for no reason yeah. you know, totally out of your control, how do you not feel like a failure and continue to go?
1: you know what what kept me going was a continued commitment to personal development i mean i just kept reading books and kept listening to audios and i just kept you know in fact i would just reread think and grow rich um i think i've read the book 10 times you know i mean i've read it over and over and over and so it's stories of people who have failed miserably and they overcame and what i got out of Think and Grow Rich, as an example, was it's actually when I read it the first time. It was the first book I was given when I joined network marketing. My sponsor gave me a copy of Think and Grow Rich. And I'm like, I'd never read a personal development book. And so I start reading it. And in the beginning, it says, within these pages lies the secret to success. And I was like, awesome. I'm going to get the secret to success. And so I read the whole book, and it never told me what the secret was. And I'm like, what was he? Like, I must have been daydreaming, right? You know how you read half a page and you don't remember what you read? Uh, So I thought, all right, I was daydreaming. And so I read the whole book again, specifically looking for the word secret of success, you know? So I read the whole book. I made sure I wasn't daydreaming. And it never said the secret of success is this. And I'm like, the hell? Is he... Was he lying? And I thought, well, maybe what he means by that is we determine the secret ourselves, right? And so I read the book a third time, just looking for commonalities and really kind of trying to determine what it was, what the secret was. And here's what I came to, it was one word, and it's just determination. You know, that's what I got out of it. And I, that was all, that three readings was within probably my first month of network marketing. And that was so powerful for me. It was just like, if I just don't give up, I'll eventually win. Mm -hmm. And so that was my crazy belief is if I just don't give up, eventually I'll win. And I remember reading Mark Yarnell's book, your first year in network marketing. And he said, uh, it was like, and I don't know if this is even true, but he said 90% of the people who stick with the same company for 10 years will hit the top rank in that company which is typically hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. And I was like, all right, I just need to find a company that I can stick with for 10 years and I'll have 90% chance of success. I'm sure I won't be the bottom 10%. I mean, I've got enough hard work and enough common sense to be able to be in the top 90%. And so I don't even know if that's true, but I believed it at the time. And it's one of the things that was like, you know what? I'm gonna stick it out until I win. And what I developed over the years is what I call a formula for success. And I think it's really fairly simple. You know, there's only three factors in your success. So it's your financial vehicle multiplied by your effort, multiplied by your skill.
0: Okay. So financial effort multiplied by your, cause I know people are taking notes.
1: So your success is equal to your financial vehicle, multiplied by your effort, multiplied by your skill. So if you're in network marketing you're in a great financial vehicle. So you don't have to worry about that, right? So the financial vehicle is taken care of. So the only two things you have to worry about is how hard are you willing to work and how good are you willing to get? And so for me, I'm just, I like to simplify things. And it's like, all right, if I work really hard and I get really good, I'm gonna make it, right? I can't not make it. And that's, I guess, kind of my theory is you can't not make it if you focus on those two things, it's kind of like playing the piano. You may really suck at playing the piano. You may be terrible like me at playing the piano, but if you learn, if you continue to learn, like if you read books or you have an app that teaches you how to play, or you have a coach or a mentor who's teaching you how to play, and you practice an hour or two, let's say you practice two hours every single day at playing the piano, you can't not eventually get good. You're going to learn how to play some songs. You can't not, no matter how bad you are, and it's the same with network marketing. You may be as bad as anyone, but if you'll practice an hour or two hours a day, eventually you're going to get it. You can't not get it. It's a, uh, The way I look at it is you can't not succeed if you're willing to do the things that successful people have done.
0: I love it. I, I wish you guys that- could see him. He's like getting so like, <laughs>
1: That's the, it's so frustrating for me because that's so ingrained into my belief system. I mean, at my core, that is my belief. And I don't care what your background is. I don't care how bad you are, how shy you are, how bad of a communicator you are. It's like riding a bike or it's like playing the piano. You can't not get good if you're willing to practice. But like you said early on, people will call three people and they say no, or you stumble on your words three times and you go, oh, I'll never get good. That's such a lie. You can't not get good. You just have to be willing to be bad enough and it hurts your ego. So it kind of hurts your ego to be bad for an extended period of time. Well, get over yourself. Be willing to be bad for long enough. Be willing to look foolish for long enough. And eventually you'll get it. You can't not get it.
0: I I love that. I love that the the word determination. I agree entirely with you. I think that's one of the big determining factors between people who are successful and not. And I love that if I don't give up, I'll eventually win. And you hit on it. I was going to ask a question like, okay, cause there's definitely people who will listen to this and be like, well, I've been in the same company for nine years. I guess next year's the year that I make the hundreds of thousands of dollars. <laughs> and so I need you to understand some of you, even if you've been in business for, and you can correct me if this is not what you meant to say for nine years, eight years, seven years, six years, were you doing what he said which is practicing an hour or two hours a day for those 978654 because it's not yeah. oh i joined i run an auto ship i sell- you can't. You have to do all of these things. You can't just sit around and hope and pray and, oh, well, I'm in the company. Like, sometimes I comment yeah. on the company's Instagram page. Does that mean that in 10 years I'll make hundreds of thousands of dollars? No. So I love that you said that. I love your success formula. I hope everybody rewinds and listens to that again in case you didn't get it written down. And I have a question because so many people that I talk to that are super successful like yourself, there's a common... There's there's a lot of commonalities, honestly. Clearly, I think you'll agree. But one is always that there's some mentor involved. Somebody always is referencing learning from somebody. And so, do you mind kind of touching base on that? Maybe even saying who some of your mentors are. Are some alive? Are some dead? Do you harass them? Like, wh- how does mentorship work, <laughs> Matt Morris?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I ideally, if you're in network marketing, ideally you want to have a mentor in your company, an upline or something like that. For me, my mentor was, my upline was my sponsor, actually. And I just chose to learn everything I could. You know, I mean, there's, you can read books, but you don't have a personal relationship. You can, you know, study people online. But what most people do is they go very wide, they go really wide. So they read a lot of different books. And it's kind of like the whole jack of all trades, master of none type concept where you you study all this different stuff, but you never go deep with one. And so I just, when I met my mentor, I was like, all right, on a scale of one to 10, in network marketing, he's a 10. Wayne Nugent is his name. So he just kind of, I saw, he's like, all right, this guy has it all. He knows how to present. He knows how to train. He knows how to invite and prospect and duplicate and all this. And so I just chose, and he had no books. He still has no books. Um, I wish he would. He has no online trainings. I wish he would. But whenever there was an opportunity where I heard him training, I was just constantly taking notes, you know, and what he taught me was the weakest ink is stronger than the strongest memory. And so I was always always, always, always taking notes on everything that he would say. I was studying his presentation, taking notes on his presentation, studying his mannerisms and studying, you know, even the timing on his jokes and things like that, because I wanted to, I mean, we're in the business of duplication. And so I'm like, all right, I need to duplicate this guy. So, from a network marketing standpoint, he really became my mentor, Tony Robbins. I chose to kind of learn everything. I read all his books. I went through personal power one and personal power two and the edge. And I went to unleash the power and Mastery university, all his events. Right. And I have a I CD like... of
0: the edge, a CD, like literally somewhere in this office. So I'm dying that you said that.
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, And so, you know, I I think there's a lot of power in picking one person who has what you want and learning every, like studying everything that you can about that one person.
0: I love that. I'm I'm writing it down because I think it's so powerful. So study one person who has what you want and then study everything about them. I love the whole mannerisms thing, all of those little details. People don't even, people don't usually say that. But I would argue with you, I'm totally on the same side with you with that. Because those people are masters at their craft. And if that's the craft you're trying to master, mm-hmm. come on, right? Find out the, watch yeah. their presentation over and over and over and over again until it becomes almost you don't have to think it's just, Hey, Oh, well now it's my presentation. And then you can become somebody's mentor. Um, quick question though, for people, since I know some people then will say, Oh, well my mentor in my company, you know, like my upline kind of sucks. It was my best friend. What would you, you know, and she's not doing anything and whatever, you know, stories, what would you suggest doing in a situation like that?
1: I, I mean, I would continue going up line. So if your sponsor sucks, who's above there's someone above you who's really good. You know, yep. and here the here's the thing that is sometimes a little frustrating is, I what I believe is true is you really need to earn your mentor's time. You know, I mean, I've got an organization, and you know, like you, it's huge, it's monstrous, and I I don't have time to work with everyone, but I want to work with those who deserve it, right? And so. What I made sure was I was earning my mentor's time. I was doing the work. I was inviting people. I was sponsoring people. I was earning his attention. And so don't expect, like, I think a lot of people expect a handout. And it's like, get messages all the time. Hey, will you personally mentor me? Well, you haven't done anything. You haven't sponsored one person. You haven't attended the trainings. You have you got to do the work and earn the mentorship. And so I, I think that's an important piece of it. There's someone above you who's making money and you can earn their attention by deserving it.
0: I love that. I uh, I know you guys can't see, but I literally raised the roof like 1999 over here. When he said that, I'm freaking out. I say it all the time. And I, I, I kind of am like, am I being a little sassy about it? But no, everyone's time is worth money. And there is so much, especially when it's somebody like you, the amount of, I, I, I will tell you right now, I, and I don't say this to be rude to anybody listening, I bet you the people who reach out to you, Matt Morris, if they already know who you are, I bet you I, Jesse Lee, I, and I've already earned millions of dollars too in this profession, etc. I have probably consumed more of Matt Morris's content than you have. But you're asking him for his time. So just think about that. Like, do I really, oh God, do I really, ugh oh gosh, do I have the audacity right now to reach out to Matt Morris and say, hey, 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 I know she started the podcast by talking about how, you know, he's a great dad and he's super, da, da, da. like, I'm just thinking like maybe if, I, ah, ah, ah. and I think those people are kind of like, they're looking for the secret. And that takes mm-hmm. it right back to when you were talking about think and grow rich. And the mm-hmm. secret lies in determination. So are you willing to do everything it takes to rise? Because quite frankly, even if you're, 50 levels deep in Matt's organization. I would guarantee if you were all of a sudden just cranking and creating activity, he's not going to, he does not have his blinders on. He's going to be like, hold on a second. Who, who in tarnations is Jesse Lee Ward from Frisco, Texas? Hold up a second. You've enrolled. Wow. Okay. Then you start getting the direct texts from the support line, upline, whatever you want to call them. Um, you got
1: it. So, you got it. And, and, and there's also, some, I think you've got, to, I think as leaders, we got to teach people to not be dependent on a sponsor to do the work for you. I mean, thank goodness my mentor was too busy to work with me very much. Mm. Thank goodness. I love that. Great perspective to work for me because I had to grow as a leader and because I couldn't use him as a crutch. I didn't use a crutch. So, be grateful you don't have someone that is a crutch for you because it allows you to step into leadership
0: yeah i I love that uh so you didn't use the word, but I'm going to use the word, and you are obsessed. I love it, like you are so obsessed, and it just it it fires me up because I'm like man if ma- i I'll, actually i just I do want to tell you this because i don't know if i have i don't know if I vocalized this properly at some of our lunches. But you doing your Instagram TVs, I was like, if Matt Morris is gonna bring out some jankity video from God knows what year, 1992, I'm kidding, but their old video, if he's gonna make Instagram TV videos and if he's gonna go get it, I started texting you. I was like, w- what are you doing? Where are these templates? What- you are not going to out social media me, Matt Morris. Uh, yeah. And so you've inspired me to do different things in my business because of your utter... Obs- I mean, I get email. I just got another... Did you send another email? I just got another flipping email. It just popped up on my yeah. screen. Yeah, you're yeah, an animal. Saying. You're an animal. So I love this though. So can you talk a little bit... I know this is kind of the common theme, I guess. The driv- You're driven. You're determined. You're obsessed. These are all words sometimes that I think people... Are sort of scared to step into i don't know if you want to talk about the importance of that or how that has gotten you maybe some of the, your success or things in your life maybe some Maybe some examples.
1: <clears throat> well, I think if you look at the people who succeed at the very highest levels, I think that's one of the common traits. They're fairly obsessed. They eat, breathe and sleep what they do. I mean, my poor girlfriend, uh, She'll <laughs> when, when I, I, I have my mind on something and I may just be standing in the kitchen or, you know, sitting at the dinner table and I'm thinking about something in my business or something on social media or whatever it may be. And she's gone through like two sentences. I haven't heard a single word. So I'm sure it's hard to live with people like us because we're like focused. I'm like, you have to get my attention first. Say, hey, Matt, and pull me out of the conversation that I'm having with myself right now. Um, (laughs) And then I'll listen, right? Um, But I can't hear other things coming in. And I think that's one thing that ultra successful people have is you don't hear a lot of what's of the things that are coming in specifically the negative that's coming in. And yes, there's a global pandemic right now and you know, people are living in fear and all this stuff. Well, I'm not listening to that. I may look at the news once or twice a day, to see what's going on because I have, you know, people that I lead and I want to know what's going on, but I'm not listening to that. I'm focused. I'm obsessed with creation. I'm obsessed with moving my life and other people's lives forward. And I, I want to be obsessed in that way versus the way most people are obsessed. See, most people are obsessed in one, some way or another. They're obsessed with watching television. They're obsessed with scrolling through social media. They're obsessed with Whatever it is. Right. So get obsessed with something that is going to make you money. It's going to make an impact. It's going to leave a legacy. And so, um, you know, it's you can be the old saying it's cliche now, but you can be obsessed or you can be average. I'd much rather be obsessed. And I've learned to have more balance, I guess. I I mean, I've never really believed in a lot of balance. But with kids, you kind of have to. Right. So thankfully, I've created financial freedom and I can spend as much time as I want. So I kind of obsess over my kids when I'm with them. And then when I'm not with them, I'm going to obsess over my business. And when I'm not obsessing over my business, I'm going to obsess over working out and then I'm going to obsess back to my children. You know, Um, so I don't know. That's the way I'm wired, I think. Maybe I've wired myself that way, but I think it's okay to be obsessed, especially for a period of time. You know, I mean, I, when I joined my current company 10, 11 years ago, I was in a situation I was $750,000 in debt.
0: Oh, say it again. People need to hear that. Did y'all hear that?
1: $750,000 in debt. My business had collapsed. I was a wreck. And I knew I was going to have to get extremely unbalanced for a period of time so that I could, you know, have all the balance I wanted or obsess over the things that I want to obsess about. But I need to take six months and absolutely obsess over business. So I'm not going to do date nights. I'm not going to be doing a lot of stuff with the kids over these next few months because I've got to obsess over business right now and create some momentum and create some financial freedom and create some residual income so that I can do the things that I want to do later. So I think it's okay to, you know, have periods of your life where you're obsessed. And the only reason I I believe I got really good at network marketing is because I did so much. I, I obsessed and I did so much activity. I did so many presentations. I did, I closed so many people. I did so many trainings that I got good.
0: I I love that permission to give yourself a period of time to be obsessed. Uh and it make I don't know if you can relate to this or not, but if you can, I would love to hear if you do have perspective on it. Uh because I know a lot of people who listen to my I mean we're at, oh, we have a lot of downloads now. So I, and I know I can see the demographics. It's a lot of women. So I would love to hear since obviously you're a male perspective and you were driving and you had three children and you were $750,000 in debt. Was there a conversation you had to have with a partner? And what would you say to somebody where maybe you're like, listen, I listen to this podcast. I need a period of time to be obsessed. Like that, like, yeah. I feel like this is because they're going to get fired up when they listen to this. I can just tell because our energies are good. <laughs> they're going to leave here. And they're like, that's it. It's obsession season. Uh, yeah. d- d- have you ever gone yeah. through yeah. anything the like
1: short that? Answer, yes. And the longer answer, and this is what I've had to coach a lot of people through because let's be real. I mean, not everyone's partner is going to be as excited about your network marketing company as you. Right. And where it creates a lot of friction in relationships is where you're trying to demand that your partner is ex- as excited as you. Mm-hmm. OK, um, hopefully you love your partner for the fact that uh, something other than the fact that they're obsessed about your network marketing company. And so let them be them. And, you know, hopefully the, and if you allow them to be themselves, they're going to be way more likely to allow you to be you. And so that's number one. Don't pressure your spouse to be as committed as you. I see it all the time. Like, how do I get my husband to be all in like me? Well, don't the best way to get your husband all in like you is to give him permission to be himself and for you to create results. Your husband will be your biggest fan if you create a lot of results. Okay. And so But you may need to have that conversation and the conversation that I've coached people on, and and I've seen this done a lot of different ways and here's kind of what I've seen based on tons of feedback works is, you know, hey, this is what's in my heart. And just opening up and saying what's true for you. And maybe it's, I've been average my whole life or um, I wanna provide more for you. I wanna provide more for our children. I am just sick and tired of being stuck in my job I'm, you know, I've realized with me, I'm never going to be really content with the career that pays me right now. And what I'm not asking you to do anything. All I'm really asking is for you to give me the space to go all in for a period of time for the next 90 days. Let me put my blinders on. And this means not doing as many date nights and not doing as many family activities, but I want to prove to myself what I'm made of. And I don't know any other way. Like I, this is the biggest way for me to be able to prove to myself that I can do this and it may work. It may not work, but I am not going to be comfortable. Like I'll have this nagging regret if I don't do this. And I don't want to live with that regret. So can I just get your understanding that for the next 90 days, I'm going to go all in. You know, it's that kind of conversation is opening up your heart. Right. And it's really hard for people to when you open up your heart and you're vulnerable and you're authentic, it's hard for people to want to hold you back. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean?
0: Uh, everyone, please rewind that and listen, write down every single word, because I know that some of you are not even, if you're not even in a relationship, some of you just need to have a conversation, quite frankly, with yourselves and give yourself that grace to apologize for things from your past, forgive yourself and be able to understand that. Yes. In the past, maybe you were that I've always been average person, like Matt said, but understanding you can control your future. You just need to give yourself that fighting chance. Yeah, love that. You got it. So I have one it, last question, if you're prepared, okay with that.
1: Oh, and real quick, yeah, it's yeah. a similar conversation that yeah. you can have with your children. You know, is enrolling your children in your mission.
0: Oh, I love that. Enrolling your children in your mission. You know, I have found that kids get so excited when their parents involve them, like when they can sit next to them with like a broken laptop, even, and just or like a.
1: The best accountability partner in the world is your children. So it's like, hey, I want you to be my accountability partner. At the end of every day, I want you to ask mommy or ask daddy how many presentations I did. How many customers did you sign up in your organization today? Right? And your kids will be like, "Ooh, I get to hold Mommy accountable. I get to hold Daddy accountable." They'll love it. Like, do you
0: really want that that, that gold star, Daddy? <laughs> I love it. So, exactly. two quick things. First of all, I know you have no idea what I'm talking about, but the podcast listeners do. The letter of Matt Morris's episode is o, oh, like outstanding, like outrageous, like, "Oh my gosh, Matt Morris is the bomb." And my final question for you, because I do respect your time, is I would love to know what is in the future for Matt Morris? And if there's one tip you could leave everybody with that's just an absolute banger that will take their business to the next level, that'd be awesome too.
1: So here's what's up for me is continuing to build a dynasty. I mean, if you look at a lot of my hashtags and what I've trained a lot of my leaders to kind of have the same mission, it's... It's uh, we're creating a dynasty. We're creating something that's going to outlive all of us. We're going to create something that is going to impact our children's children. And so from a business standpoint, it is creating a dynasty. And on the more personal side, it's it's really just leaving a legacy and it's leaving some it's essentially uh, maybe this sounds selfish, but it's becoming immortal I want to be immortal. I mean, the reason why I uh, write books and things like that is because this book, uh, when I write, I wrote The Unemployed Millionaire 11 years ago. um, That'll be there after I'm gone. I've written other books because it's going to be there after I'm gone. I record videos and I put content out there because it'll be there after I'm gone. And it's not necessarily remembering Matt Morris, but it's Making an impact that creates the ripple effect. I mean, I know you know the ripple, all about the ripple effect, right? But by what we do in our lives today, by being willing to step out of our comfort zone, by being willing to be bad before we're good, we're able to make an impact that will last for generations. I mean, if I look in my organization, there's been 54, uh, 54, 56 uh, million dollar earners. And for many of those, they were broke before they became million-dollar earners. And they're, the the legacy of their family has changed because I was willing to go out and sponsor someone who, someone who sponsored someone who sponsored someone who sponsored them. You know what I mean? And so that's uh that's what I feel like I'm up to. My mission is really just to leave a legacy and to be able to make an impact where at the end of my days – I can look back and I can say my life really mattered.
0: Oh, I love it. It gets me all emotional. I get all bushy inside. I love that. Um, you are absolutely incredible. I cherish our friendship. I love your brain. I love having conversations with you. We must get lunch again when we are not coroned at home since we are so close yeah. <laughs> geographically. Um, but you are just such an inspiration to so many people. Uh, you guys can check him out on mattmorris.com. That's correct, right?
1: That's it. it. MattMorris.com. I appreciate that. And I will leave. You, my friend, have been an amazing inspiration to me. I love what you're putting out, and I love how um, you have. I I mean, it's just been fascinating to watch you come in and just absolutely dominate. So uh, I know you've reached nowhere close to your impact, and uh, it it is really, really inspiring to see what you're doing, what you've accomplished, and it is going to be crazy what you do in the future. So I am honored to be able to be a a part of that and to be able to watch it. So thank you.
0: You're welcome. Thank you so much. That was really kind of you. You guys make sure you check him out, Instagram, Facebook, mattmorris.com and uh, make sure you subscribe to this podcast. Go ahead, take a screenshot, make a review on iTunes, wherever you're listening, and we will respond to all of them. So love you. Appreciate you so much, Matt. And I hope you guys got a ton of value from this podcast with Matt Morris.